Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aran. We're continuing in the section entitled Avedas Hashem, paragraph 526. We dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu Nishmas, Reb Chaim Meir, Reb Moshe, whose yard site is this evening, and for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Simcha Menachem ben Fruma, Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Naya Nechama Basgalia, Tzvi ben Chaya Sorasima, Chaya Rezel Bas Shendel Dobra, Chabaliba Bas Mirim Dvoira, Soraleya Bas Chabaliba, David Shimshain ben Soraleya, Levi Melech ben Rachel, Menachem ben Rishabasha, Daniel Borach ben Sora, Avigail Bracha Bas Shira Dvoira, David Lay ben Shena, Gitigan Endel Basipoira, Lebele Basipoira, Avivilona Basius Bendel, Sarocha Basius Bendel, Yehudis Ruchama Bas Chavarus, Sora Yehudis Basora, David ben Behia, Shendel Baslea, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel, David Elio ben Michal, Shimon Eloza ben Michal, Michal Bas Rivka, Besurch Sharchel Yisrael. Rav Zal writes that there was a person standing by Rabbein Zal who was involved in studying Sifrei Kabbalah. And this person wasn't really qualified to learn Kabbalah. And Rabbein Zal rebuked him, telling him very strongly that he should stop, he should not learn Kabbalah. Rabbein Zal said to him that the, the word Kabbalah is bigematria noyef. Noyef means an adulterer, chas v'shalom. And Rav Nosnazal says, I also heard regarding another person that Rav was once talking to somebody and the person was complaining to Rav that he doesn't, he feels, he doesn't have a heart, meaning his, he can't, he can't put his heart into tefillah, into serving Hashem. And Rabbein Zal said to him, it's because you're learning Kabbalah. Because there's a Pasuk in Mishlei, chapter 6, where the Pasuk says, Noyef Isha Chasar Leiv. A person who commits this type of sin, commits adultery with a woman, it detracts from the person's heart. And, and Rabbein Zal told him that Kabbalah is Bigimatria Noyef. However, Rabbein Zal adds, this is only to a person who's unworthy and unqualified to learn it. But there were several people who Rabbein Zal himself instructed that they should learn Kabbalah. And Rabbein Zal adds that a person has to be mispalel to Hashem, that Hashem should lead the person in the right path, whether to learn Kabbalah or to refrain from learning Kabbalah. It's important to note that in the Gemara, in the Shulchan Aruch, it's mentioned that in order for a person to learn Kabbalah, the person should first fill themselves with Gemara, Shas, and Poiskim, and Halacha. In order to be qualified, in order to be able to understand the Sifrei Kabbalah, we know Rabbi Nezal brings in Likut Yamran that the word Halacha, Hebrew law, the word halacha makes up the first letters of a pasuk in Tehillim, Hariu Lashem Kol Haaretz. Sing Tashem, praise Hashem, the entire world. 
the first letters of that pasuk make up the word halacha, implying that halacha is for everyone. Whereas Kabbalah, the, it makes the word Kabbalah makes up the first letters of the pasuk Hishtachavu Lashem Bahadras Kodesh, bow to Hashem in His holy dominion. That means like in the throne room of Hashem Kaviyachu. There, the first letters spell the word Kabbalah in reverse order. In reverse order, which means that halacha is a, a an easier level. It's like a concept of elementary school, grade school, and then there's high school, a much more advanced level. In order for a person to be able to understand Kabbalah, for starters, the Kabbalah doesn't come from the air. It's based on the Chumash, it's based on Tanakh, it's based on the Gemara. A lot of it, a lot of the Zohar Kodesh is quoting from Gemaras and the Arizal, the Sifrei Kabbalah, a lot of it is based on that. So of course it's necessary to have that knowledge before going into it. However, Reb Chaim Vital, who is the closest student of the Arizal, the only one who the Arizal said before he passed away, that he's the only one who's qualified to teach Kabbalah and to write after I pass away. The Arizal had students who were tzaddikim, very, very great tzaddikim, Tamid Chachamim, and yet he said that none of them understood properly everything he taught, other than Reb Chaim Vital. He was the only one who he gave permission to be able to, to give it over. And Reb Chaim Vital writes that the most important prerequisite in a person being allowed to learn these svarim is that if the person knows that if they're going to come across anything that they don't understand, that doesn't make sense to them, they'll attribute it to their own shortcoming. They'll realize it's me who doesn't understand. It's not the Torah that's wrong. It's not the svarim that have anything wrong with them, any mistake. It's me that doesn't understand it. A person who realizes that and accepts that and has emuna, emuna in Hashem, emuna in tzaddikim, Rabbi Chaim Vital writes, then for that person, this limud will help them. It'll bring them closer to Hashem. It'll show the person more clearly the emes of the Torah. It's called chokhmas ha-emes, the chokhmah of the truth. What do you mean truth? The whole Torah is true. The answer is that a person who learns this type of Torah, this level of Torah, can see more clearly than any other limud that this could only be divine wisdom. There's no way in the world that anybody sat down and figured this out, thought of this on their own, or used a computer to figure this out, that this is literally divine wisdom. It's something heavenly, very, very superior to any other limud in the world, any other knowledge in the world. However, again, it requires qualifications. And the Arizal told Reb Chaim Vitali, gave him a list of prerequisites. Number one, he said, mikvah is very important. A person who wants to learn these forms should try to be zohir, try to be careful to go to the mikvah regularly, because mikvah purifies a person. And he gave him other instructions also. And I know, for example, my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, who was very, very thoroughly knowledgeable in the Zohar Kodesh, Tikkunei Zohar, the writings of the Arizal, he was, he didn't, he, he taught, he taught Halacha, he taught Gemara, he taught Ein Yaakov, he taught Rabbein Zalzvarim. When it came to this type of Limud, he didn't teach it publicly. There were certain students 
who he felt were qualified, who he taught at different points in time. There was a time that he gave a few shiurim in Tikkun Zoyar when he was living, when he was in Eretz Yisrael for a summer, and and you were able to see how one line of Tikkun Zoyar is like pages and pages of another sefer. That's how deep Rabbein Azal himself said that that's the deepest, most profound sefer in the world, in existence, the Tikkun Zoyar. We know that the, the Sifrei Hasidus, in general, all the Sifrei Hasidus are generally based on the Sifrei Kabbalah. However, the Sifrei Hasidus bring it down usually to a level that's much easier for people, ordinary people, to be able to understand it and relate to it. Especially, Rabbi Nezal once made a comment, he would love very much to have a young man come to him who would be able to take the writings of the Arizal, the Sifrei Kabbalah, and bring it down to a level that children should be able to understand it. And it's known in Breslov that Rav Nassenzal, the Likuti Alochis that he wrote, is an incredible, incredible example of this, where throughout the Likuti Alochis, very often he takes Rav teachings and very often takes pieces, whole pieces, in the writings of the Arizal and the Zohar Kodesh, and, and brings it down to a level that we can relate to it and know how to apply it in our own regular lives in serving Hashem. We'll do one more paragraph and then we'll take questions regarding the, the end of the exile, the end of Golis, regarding Moshiach's coming. <laughs> there are many great people that try to calculate when the Golos is going to end, when Moshiach is going to come. And there are those that say that Moshiach is going to come at a specific time that they, they've calculated. For example, Rav Nassim Zah writes, as happened during our time, there were people, there were people that said regarding certain details that Moshiach is going to come. They, they know Moshiach is going to come this and this year. And so too in the generations before us. And Rabbein Nassim did not disagreed with this vehemently. And Rabbi Nezal said that any of these dates that they give when they say Moshiach is going to come, he definitely will not come at that time that they're saying. And we find the Zohar Kodesh curses, issues a very severe curse, the Zohar Kodesh, and the Gemara mentions this also regarding people that try to calculate, try to figure out when Moshiach is going to come. And the Gemara makes a clear statement in Sanhedrin, Ein ben David bo elo that Moshiach ben David will come at a time when he's unexpected, when people are not expecting, when not, not knowing or thinking that he's coming at that particular time. And Rav Nassim Zah writes that now, when he's around the time that he's writing this, there are people that are saying that Moshiach is going to come in the year 5,600, 5,600, which was five years before Rav Zal passed away. This is way after 30 years approximately after Rav Zal passed away. And it seems to them that they have Ramazan, they have hints to this from the Zohar Kodesh. But, but Rav Zal said we, we're positive that he definitely will not come in that year. It's possible that it'll come before then or after then. But in that year, definitely will not come 
because people are looking at that year and, and, and saying factually that that's when Mashiach is going to come. And Rav Nassau summarizes this by saying that any time that people try to figure out, try to calculate, and try to say clearly that Mashiach is going to come at a particular year, then unfortunately he definitely will not come then. However, we believe that Mashiach is going to come at the right time with complete Hesach when he's going to be completely unexpected. Meaning, therefore, that people should not try to figure out a time to set a time and, and then suddenly Mashiach will come. We hope it'll be speedily in our time. It's interesting to note that the Zohar HaKadosh gives certain remozim, certain hints as to dates, special dates, when Mashiach can come. And one of those hints, the Zohar HaKadosh quotes a passage, Bezois Yovoi Aharon HaKadosh, that when will Aaron HaKadosh, when will the Kain Gadol return to the Beis HaMikdosh? It's Zois. Zois is 408, referring to the year of 5,408, because the Zohar HaKadosh shows that it's going to be in the 5,000th year. And Rab Nosanzal has a whole piece towards the end of Likuti Alochas, where he writes that we know, unfortunately, not only didn't Moshiach come then, <clears throat> but that was a year of one of the, those, those years, Tach Vetat, the year 5,408-409, there were terrible, terrible pogroms throughout Eastern Europe, where maybe a 100,000 or more Jews were massacred. In those days, they didn't have weapons like today. They didn't have bombs, you know, where you can blow up a whole city. We're talking about people being killed with swords and knives and spears. Thousands, tens of thousands. And Rav Nosanzal asks, why is this? And he explains, based on a chapter on Likut Imran, chapter 67, in the first half of Likut Imran, Rav Nosanzal explains that the fact that the Zohar HaKadosh hinted to it, it means that that was an opportune time when Moshiach could have come, if we would be ready for it, if we were ready. Meaning that that was a time when there was supposed to be major, major Kiddush Hashem. That Kiddush Hashem can come one of two ways. If we're Zoycha, it comes with Bracha, meaning the Kavod of Hashem is elevated incredibly when Mosh- as, as it'll be when Mashiach comes. And he brings many Psukim throughout Tanakh that show that when Mashiach comes, the Kavod of Hashem and the Kavod of the Jewish people is going to be World, worldwide, all over the world, recognized all over the world. If we're not zoiche, if we're not prepared, if we didn't make the proper preparations, then that kavod still has to happen. Hashem has to be glorified. And one of the ways that Hashem is glorified is when people die al-Kiddush Hashem, when people are murdered, massacred, for their religion, for their religion. We find that at, at one of the holiest times in the week, the, actually the holiest time in the week, Shabbos at Mincha. Shabbos we know is called Ratzain, a time of tremendous Hisgalas HaRatzain, when Hashem's goodwill towards us is at a peak. We say in the Shmon Esrei and in Kiddush Friday night, we say, Bi'ahava uva Ratzain hinchilonu, Bi'ahava Ratzain chatanu. 
And the peak of that is Shabbos Mincha, the one time in the week when we say, Vani Svilosi Lecha Hashem, Eis Rotzain. I'm presenting my tefillah at the highest Eis Rotzain of the entire week. And it's brought that what makes it such an Eis Rotzain? One of the factors is that three of the greatest tzaddikim of all time passed away at that time, Shabbos at Mincha, which is Moshe Rabbeinu, Yosef HaTzadik, and Dovid HaMelech. And these three, Moshe, Yosef, David, is Bigimatria Tefillah, number one. They represent this tefillah, which is, which is Rotzain, which is, the, we know that all the Karbonais and the Beis Amikdosh were, were supposed to be Lerotzain Lefnei Hashem, to appease Hashem, to show it's our goodwill. When a person brought a korban to the Beis Hamikdash, it says, Kol Nediv Lev, Yevi'ehaz Trumas Hashem. Every person who had a feeling of wanting to give generosity and expression of goodwill donated to the Beis Hamikdash. And this brought a response from Hashem of Rotzain, of goodwill towards Klal Yisrael, towards us. So again, Shabbos Mincha, when these three tzaddikim, their neshama went up, that's considered the ultimate time of tefillah, the ultimate time. And because these three tzaddikim also represent all ten spheroids, all ten midos of Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who gave us the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu represents the three upper spheroids, <coughs> Chachma Bina and Das, or Keser Chachma and Bina. The word Moshe has the letter Shin, which has three heads, and Mo, Memhei, is Bigimatria three times fifteen. Fifteen Yud, Hei, those letters of Hashem's name represent the head, the Seichel, the Chachmen Bina. Three times that, because there's three parts to the brain, is, is Memhei. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the Das. Yosef is Bigimatria six times Yud, Kei, He represents the six spheroids. Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, Netzach, Choyd, and Yesoid, and Dover HaMelech is Malchus. So those three represent the full spectrum of Kedusha, all ten Midois of Hashem. And on Shabbos at Mincha, the Shmon that we say Shabbos at Mincha, the, where we say Ato Echod, the Shimcho Echod, Umikam Chiswa, the last line there is, Vi'al Menuchasam Yakdishu Eshemecha. And upon their resting place, they sanctify your name. They sanctify the name of Hashem. With their passing away, they are Mekadeh Shem There's the greatest Kiddush Hashem. And the Arizal says that when a person says those words, a person should think about the Asara Haruge Malchias, the ten giants, the ten great Sadikim Tanoim, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hanina Ben Tradyoim, <coughs> Reb Meshim Gamliel, Rabbi Shmuel Kain Godel, the ten tzaddikim who were murdered al Kiddush Hashem by the Roman king, who were the stand-ins for the ten Shvatim, the ten tribes. The Arizal says to keep in mind when we say those words, that we want to attach, we want to connect with these ten tzaddikim who brought about this incredible Kiddush Hashem. That's why we have a paragraph in the Shmon Esrei on, on Yom Kippur and on Tishabov, in the Kinnis of Tishabov, there's a special paragraph, Arze Halavonoin, where we speak about these ten Sadiqim, these ten martyrs who died al Kiddush Hashem. Lahavdil, bein Elif Alfi Avdolis, the Arabs, Yamach Shemom, 
they they are taught their their thought that that to die killing Jews that that's their that's their kiddush Hashem that's what they're taught is is how they sanctify, but by us it's, it doesn't involve killing anybody else. It's a person chas who who dies al kiddush Hashem that kind of concept. I once mentioned this to my Rebbe Reb Michal about what the Arizal says about the having in mind the, the ten martyrs. He said, for us, we could have in mind the 30,000 Kiddushim, the 30,000 people who were murdered, who died al-Kiddush Hashem, in the massacre that took place in Uman about 30 years before Rabbi Nassau was born, the terrible massacre that took place at that time. Any questions, please? Um. I have a question in regards to uh, Rosenfeld learning the Arizal. Um, did he also learn like Rashash and Lasham and Teres Chacham like more than just the Arizal, or was the Arizal more just the you know where the start and stop? It's a good question. Unfortunately, I never discussed it with him, but I saw what I saw and heard from him <clears throat> was that he stuck very, very closely to the Arizal. There are, in Kabbalah, there are different paths, there are different sforim, and I've seen that the Baal Shem Tov and some of the followers of the Baal Shem Tov, many of the followers of the Baal Shem Tov, and in Breslov, the Tzadikim, that the general path was extreme loyalty to the Arizal, to his derech. There are commentaries, for example, on the Zohar Kodesh, there's the commentary Mikdash Melech on the Zohar Kodesh, Kisei Melech on the Tikkunei Zohar, and I saw that Rav Rosenfeld especially stuck mostly to that. We find Rav Nosenzal in Likutei Alochos, and also Rabbi Nachman in his forum, also generally try to stick as very closely to the Arizal. Question, okay, thank you. Sure. Question in the chat. What about the Rambam's famous statement that we should expect Moshiach every day and believe that he may come today, that he's coming today? Does this actually delay his coming according to, not the answer is chas v'shom, not at all. What, what we're referring to here is people making calculations, trying to make calculations and use gematrias and psukim to try to figure out when, when Moshiach is, is gonna come versus a, a Jew's basic faith. The Gemara says that when a person leaves the world and they come before the heavenly court, before they go into detail in reviewing the person's whole life, they ask the person six questions. One of those questions is, Tzipisa Yeshua. Were you hoping every single day of your life that Mashiach is going to come today? Did you hope and believe that Mashiach can and will come today if we're Zoycha. So that's a very important tenant of our emuna. And again, the Arizal says that where should a person focus on this? Especially in the Shmon Esrei, in the weekday Shmon Esrei, in the paragraph Est Samach David Avtacha, we say there the words, Ki Lishuascha, Kivinu, Kol Hayoim, Umetzapem Lishua. That when a person says those words, Hashem, we're hoping and yearning for your salvation all day, the Arizal says that's when a person is supposed to have in mind the coming of Moshiach, that I'm hoping and praying that Moshiach will come today. And Rabbein Azal's students add that a person, that not only that Yeshua, but 
any and all Yeshuas that I need, I have in mind, especially when I say those words, whether it's a health issue, whether it's parnasa, whether it's getting married, any Yeshua that a person needs, this this question, Sipisel Yeshua, means were you hoping every single day that today Hashem will give me my Yeshua, especially the ultimate Yeshua, which is the coming of Mashiach. Another question in the chat, <clears throat> what is the true meaning of Hesech Hadas? The answer is Hesech Hadas means unexpected, unexpected. That's one of the meanings. There's at least one place and possibly more in Likudi Halachis when Rav Nassim goes into expounding on the Gemara. There's a Gemara that says that there are three things that come the Hesech Hadas. One is a Metziah, when somebody finds something, you're walking in the street or you're walking and you find something that you weren't looking for, you didn't expect it at all, and so, wow, I found X, I found something. That's something that comes Besachadas. The second is an Akrov, a scorpion. And the third is Moshiach. And many Meforshim go into this in expounding what's the connection between these three things. Rav Nosan Zalim Kutelachas has a place where he addresses this Gemara and again shows the comparison between these three things. I believe in its Hilchas Aveda or Metzia in Yoridea, that's where Rav Nosan Zal expounds on it. Question? Uh, learning Zara means some people read the Kuna Zara like Kabbalah certain times. Does that mean meaning? Or oh, question. When we talk about learning Kabbalah, does that refer to a person reading? For example, there are many people who have a custom, there's a custom during the month of Elul to read the Tikkun Zohar, to read it. That's not learning Kabbalah, that's reading the words, number one. Number two, a very important point. My Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld stressed that the Zohar Kodesh, 70 to 75% of it is not Kabbalah. 70 to 75% of it is Halacha, discussions in Halacha, and stories, stories of tzaddikim that give tremendous inspiration. So the term Kabbalah, when we're referring here, refers especially to the deep study of the names of Hashem, the Midas of Hashem, the worlds, the spheroids, creation, all of those things. That's that's more specifically what he's referring to here as Kabbalah. Whereas let's say here again, when Rav Rosenfeld quoted things from the Zohar Kodesh, or the, even the Arizal, very often, it wasn't, it was Drushim, it was Drushim based on Kabbalistic concepts, but it wasn't actually, you know, technically teaching Kabbalah. The next paragraph, 528, Rav Nosanzal says that there were people once discussing with Rav their worries and anxiety about Parnassah, about earning a livelihood. And Rabbein got upset and he said, what are you worrying about Parnassah? Bread and cucumbers is also good. It's also okay. Meaning people are worried and, and very often the worries is about big numbers. Rabbein was saying, if a person has to, they could get along with much less. They could get along with that and live and survive and it's, and it's not so terrible. The next item, a short, short item, 529, Rabbein Zal said that on a fast day, we know that soon 
<coughs> we're in Adorisha now. We've passed the, the midpoint. We've passed Purim Cotton. We just celebrated. <coughs> we're going to have Tainus Esther, which is one of the fast days that the rabbis instituted. Rabbi Nezal said that on a fast day, it's especially good to recite the Parshias of all the Karbonois. In Parshas Pinchas, for example, we have listed all the different Karbonois that are brought on all uh, the daily Karbonois, the Karbonois of Shabbos, Rishchodesh, the holidays. It's especially good to say it. I looked a little bit. I didn't find any sources that expound on this. We know that Karbonois is always something very, very special. There are people and, and communities where they don't take it that seriously. But the, the Arizal explains that when we daven Shachris in the morning, the Shachris, the tefillah, is divided into four sections. The, the first section is Karbonois. The second section is Psuke de Zimra. Then comes Kriyashma and its brachas. And then comes Shmon Esrei. And the Arizal shows how each section of the tefillah is a major, major tikkun for one of the worlds. And the tikkun for our world, this world, is the Karbonois. A person reciting the 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 Akeda, the, the Akeda Sitzchok, and then going into the the, the parsha of the Kior and 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 the Kior and the uh, Korban Tomid and the the uh, Ktoires and Ezel Mekoyman. All of those things are very very special. There's a tremendous amount written about it in all the Sforim, especially in our Sforim. In the Likutim Ram, Likutim Alochis, Rav Nosazal has a lot of beautiful things showing how important that is. The next paragraph on a different topic, 530, Tov Kuflamid, Rav writes that Rav was once speaking to me about a person avoiding completely anything related to sins between men and women. And, and Rav Nosanzal writes that Rav was making fun of that issue in a sense about people struggling with that. And Rabbi Nezal said, I always struggle with the fact that there's a Gemara in Adorim where the Gemara says that when a person, <coughs> when a husband and wife are together, it should appear to the, to, the, to, the, to the man as if he's being forced by an angel, by a shed. He's being forced to do this, meaning it should be something that a person doesn't want at all. They shouldn't want it. They shouldn't need it. So Rabbi Nezal said, I don't understand. Who, who's forcing you? Who's forcing you? Implying that if a person really wants to conquer this desire completely, there's, there's nobody forcing a person other, against it. Implying that a person can, a person does have the ability to overcome this taiva completely. And Rabbeinazal spoke about this. Rabbeinazal, obviously we, we read about Rabbeinazal's life how hard he worked in his youth, how many hours and hours of tefillah, and how many, how much tears he shed, pleading, begging Hashem to be zeichet, to overcome all the taivos. So Rabbi Nezal said he got to a point where he disconnected completely from this, where for him, a man and a woman was exactly the same thing. He wasn't tempted in any way whatsoever when he, when he dealt with women, when he had to, not that he dealt much with the, the not that he had many dealings with women, but Rabbi Nezal, to him, this was something that he worked so hard and, and he, he said he achieved complete success 
in overcoming this item completely. And Rav Nosenthal says there are times when he spoke about it to us, that he, 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 he wanted to make it clear to us that this is something that a person can overcome. A person can reach a level of Kedusha where, where not to be tempted by this item and to be able to be completely loyal to Hashem in this area. question regarding Parnassa in the chat, we find that in chapter 4, in the second half of Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezah makes a comment there, he's speaking about Parnassa there, about earning a livelihood, and Rabbi Nezah says that even just taking care of the basic necessities that a person needs in life, food, a place to live, clothing, even just those basic necessities, can consume all of a person's time. That alone could take 10 hours a day just to come up with enough earnings for that. <clears throat> Doesn't this contradict the statement that we said here about bread and cucumbers is enough? The answer is, once again, it, it's not a contradiction. Rabbi Nezal, depending on, on what he was talking about at the time, depending on the point he wanted to make, that was he expressed it in a certain way. Here, the point the person wanted to make is that about a person get being feeling anxiety about parnasa. One of the major issues, and by most people, by by many people, the main thing is food. Just food, having food, being able to put food on my table. That's how people speak about parnasa. I want to be able to put food on my table. So Rabbeinu was addressing that and saying, food on your table, bread and cucumbers is also food. So don't go crazy. Don't, 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 don't get anxiety, you know, etc., etc. At the same time, Rabbeinu was very realistic. <clears throat> and there, in that chapter in the Kutiman, Rabbeinu is telling us that the way the world operates, the way most of the world is operating, we find that people assume pretty much that that the the work day that the the amount of time a person has to work for basic <coughs> livelihood <coughs> is an eight hour day, and then there's the travel sometimes, which is another couple hours to it, and other other circle other factors. So in that chapter in Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal was saying that even just addressing the basic things sometimes for some people can take can occupy the person's entire time. And in that chapter, Likut Imran, Rabbein Azal says, but if we're to Hashem's chesed, to Hashem's real chesed, then a person doesn't have to go through that. Just like it says when Moshiach comes, it says others will rise up and they will take care of your fields and your vineyards and you will all be koihane Hashem. Klal Yisrael will be a nation of koihanim. Everyone will be able to devote themselves completely to Torah and Avodah. So Rabbi Nezal makes a point there of showing that the norm in the world today is that just to address basic necessities, that occupies most of a person's day. That's a certain norm. And Rabbi Nezal shows there a formula. He shows a few steps how we could be zeichet to this chesed, to this real, true chesed of Hashem, which means that when that chesed is flowing properly, a person does not have to devote any time, any time to that. Their needs are taken care of. The Gemara says, If a person is, 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 is privileged, their work is done by others, and they're able to devote themselves completely to ruchnius, to spirituality.
Hmm? Question in the chat. <clears throat> Is this an ideal for a person to strive for, to abstain completely, to separate completely from women, as Moshe Rabbeinu did, and as Rabbeinu Zal did in his Zivug Sheni, or is that only for Yechidei Segula? After Kiyomit, the, the answer is correct. That's for for 99% of people, Hashem expects us and wants us to be married and to live a healthy, kosher married life. Even within there, the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch tell us there are levels, there are madregas. The, the, the Gemara and Shulchan say that a Talmud Chacham, a person who is a true Talmud Chacham, can be on a level where they're not, they don't have the same regular contact between husband and wife as an ordinary person. That's, that's already a, a level. But in terms of what Moshe Rabbeinu, it was only to Moshe Rabbeinu that Hashem said to him that in order for the relationship that Moshe Rabbeinu had to have with the Shekhinah, at a certain point in his life, after he had children, etc., Moshe Rabbeinu was, 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 was advised to separate completely from his wife. And Rabbeinu Zal, in his second marriage, there was an agreement made there of exactly what the relationship would be. But regarding us, regarding us, for sure, Hashem wants and Rabbeinu Zal wanted us to be married, to live a kosher, healthy life based on the, the, the guidance and advice of the Shulchan Aruch, of the Torah, etc. Question? The next paragraph, 531, Rav Nosan says that Rabbi Nizal had spoken to us previously regarding the concept of serving shimush of tzadikim, that the people who are close to a tzaddik, there's an expectation that they should serve the tzaddik regarding all of his needs. They should be looking to take care of all of his physical needs, his materialistic needs, so that he doesn't have to devote time and effort and energy for that. And Rabbi Nezal said that this is hinted to in a Pasuk in Tehillim, where the Pasuk says, Tzaddik Hashem in Ashrei, Tzadik Hashem bechol derachav, vechosid bechol masav. When can the tzadik be with Hashem in all of his ways, be devoted to Hashem and, and in deep connection to Hashem in everything he's doing? As the Pesach says, bechol derachecho doehu. In all of your ways, with everything you're doing, be connected to Hashem, be deeply connected to Hashem. The word do'ehu, das, means knowledge. Das also means connection. We have the Pasuk, Vayeda Odom Eschavo Ishtoi. Odom Orishan connected with his wife. So das means connection. Bechol do'ehu means to be deeply attached to Hashem in all of your ways. And the Baal Shem Tov says that the word do'ehu is da hevav that in everything you're doing, always have in mind to unite that last hey of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, to the Vav in front of it, to make that union between Hashem and the Shekhin in all of your ways. So when is the Tzaddik able to do that, to devote himself completely to this deep connection to Hashem? 
when v'chosid b'chol ma'asov, when his chasidim, those who are close to him, are addressing all of his needs, all of his maisim, when they're taking care of that, so that he doesn't have to devote himself to those things at all, because they're accommodating him, they're taking care of it. The next item, 532, <clears throat> there's a, a pasuk that we sing in the Zmirais, that we sing Friday night, Meshoich chazdecha loyodecha keel kanoi venoikein. Hashem, please draw your kindness upon those who want to be attached to you. You, Hashem, who are a vengeful, revenging Hashem. Seems to be a strange thing in the same sentence, kindness and revenge and vengeful. Rabbi Nezal explained that what we're asking Hashem for in that sentence is, we're asking Hashem to draw kindness upon those who are close to Him, those that are devoted to Hashem, and thereby <laughs> that'll bring anger and rage to the enemies, to the enemies of the religious people. That's what's meant by that in order to take revenge against those who hate the Jewish people, those who hate the religious people, as the Pasuk says, Yere Rosha Vechoas, that the Russia will see something and it'll get him angry. How is how is that? When Hashem is showering bracha, blessing and goodness, kindness on the good people. As it says also in Tehillim, Dovramel says, Leman Oivai Pedeni. For my enemies, redeem me. Redeem me so that my enemies will see that you're redeeming me. Or Leman Shoiroi Hayeshar Lefonai Darkecha. Again, regarding those who oppose me, Dovramel says, please clear a smooth path for me. Meaning there was this issue. Of, of wanting those who oppose Hashem, those who oppose Kedusha, to see, to witness those who are close to Hashem being given, being shown Hashem's kindness. A question in the chat, just a moment. Ah. The next paragraph, 533. Rabbi Nezal said that when a person is learning intensely for hours, then the person must take a break to speak to people, to talk to people about ordinary things in order to rest the mind, in order to allow the brain to regenerate itself, to be ready for more, in a sense. And that type of conversation, obviously we're not talking chas v'shalom about speaking things that you shouldn't speak. We're not talking about Loshon Hara. We're not talking about things that are chas v'shalom in any way against the Torah. But we're talking about ordinary conversation about things going on in a person's life, that kind of thing. And Rabbi Nathal said that type of conversation has the same effect as sleep, as a person sleeping, which is a rest for the brain. And Rabbi Nezal stressed that that is not considered dvorim betelim. Usually the Torah speaks about idle talk, idle speech. And a person gets the impression that you're only allowed to speak words of Torah. Rabbi Nezal said when a person is doing it for this reason and in this manner, it's not dvorim betelim. 
just the opposite. This is a, an important mitzvah. This is an important requirement. As the Gemara says in Menachas, page 99, zui kiyuma, that sometimes taking a break from Torah is what ensures that the Torah will be permanent, that the person's Torah will be successful. And as it says again in Tehillim chapter 119, that there are times that a person needs to do something for Hashem, which requires putting aside the Torah. Putting aside the Torah, meaning taking a break. Because if the person won't do that, then chas v'shalom, the person can have a mental breakdown. And unfortunately, there are, there are stories like this, there are cases like this, about people who got very much into learning and, and super intense, and they weren't aware of this. They didn't realize that we're human beings, we're not malachim, and the Torah teaches us that a human being needs, different, needs certain things. A person needs to work the brain, a person needs to work the body, also, a person needs to breathe, a person needs to eat, a person needs to sleep, a person needs to interact with people. Rabbein Azar writes in Sichai Saran that there's a known item, there's a type of person called a hermit. There are people who were found sometimes that they, they, they went to live alone, whether it was by will or not by will. They got lost somewhere on an island or in some remote place where they didn't have any contact with people for a long period of time, and the person lost their mind. They went crazy. And Rabbi Nassau explained why. How did that happen? And he says, people need to interact with other people. And generally, people don't always agree on things. I could say I feel a certain way about something, and somebody else will say, I feel differently. I feel just the opposite. And people interact, they talk, and sometimes one person convinces the other person that they're right or not, or they agree to disagree. People are allowed to disagree in how they look at certain things. But Rabbi Nezal says that machloikis, that type of interaction is necessary between people. If a person doesn't have that, if a person doesn't want to have any contact with people, they're alone, that machloikis takes place inside the person themselves, and, and that causes a person to lose their sanity. So here, Rabbi Nezal is speaking about specifically a person who's really learning seriously, and with intensity, the person needs to know that it's very good, it's very, very special. However, make sure that there's also an allowance for speaking to people, for opening your mind in that way. And Rabbi Nezal says, this is mentioned in several places in Likut Imran, in chapter 16 in Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal there speaks about the tzaddik, that the tzaddik sometimes has to take a break from Torah. And also in the second half of Likud Imran, in chapter 78, a chapter which begins speaking about the hanhogas hapshitus of the tzaddik emes, that there are times that the greatest tzaddik behaves like an ordinary person. Yes. He needs to eat, he needs to sleep, do things like that. And Rabbi Nassau explains there how critical that is, how necessary that is at times. Obviously, obviously, person has to use the right kind of judgment in knowing how much time to devote for each thing, how much time for the intense learning, and how much time for the break. 
especially people that are teaching children, when it comes to children, <coughs> person needs to know that sometimes, if it's done properly, if a Rebbe allows children a break in which to, to play something like that, and if it's being done the right way, they come back after that with an excitement, with the, the brain open more, ready to be able to receive a whole new shipment of knowledge. Again, if it's done the right way. The next item, 534, <coughs> Rav here writes about Rabbi Nezal's <coughs> first official student. This was when Rabbi Nezal was 13 years old, and Rabbi Nezal got married then, <coughs> as was the custom in those days in the religious world. This is going back 200 years ago, more, and at, it's brought that at Rabbi Nezal's wedding, <coughs> Before the, the wedding was completed, there was a break between the chuppah, between the chuppah and the meal, the suda, or between the erisna and the suda. And Rabbi Nassau then spoke to a number of young men who were there at the time, again, his age, teenagers. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nassau was speaking to them about playing, about having fun, about enjoying life, because he wanted to test them to see what their hashkafa was, what was their outlook in life. Were they looking to have fun, to play, or were they more serious about serving Hashem? And then one of the young men that Rabbi Nezal went over to at the time was Rabbi Shimon. And, and Rabbi Nezal also spoke to him about fun, having a good time, this, that, and he saw that Rabbi Shimon wasn't really, Rabbi Shimon said, that's not really my main interest in life. I, my main interest in life, I want to be, I want to serve Hashem. I want to, I want to learn Torah. I want to pray properly, etc. And Rabbi Nezal said, it looks like we're going to have a, a close connection between us. And he became Rabbi Nezal's first official student. And then it's brought that during that break, there were a few hours in between the first part of the wedding, the second part. Rabbi Nezal went for a walk with Rabbi Shimon Zal in the field. And they spoke for a while about serving Hashem, about really, really devoting themselves completely to serving Hashem. And that was when the Kesher was formed between them, a very serious connection. And there are a number of stories about this Reb Shimenzal. So Reb Nassar writes that Reb Shimenzal was Zeche to get a commitment from Reb Nassar that he would be able, he would be privileged to serve Reb Nassar in Gan Eden the same way he was Zeche to be the one to serve Reb Nassar on Earth, during his physical lifetime. And Rav Nosanzal writes, there's a story about this, which will be discussed in another place, the Sefer Koich Ve'or, which is divided into a number of sections. One of the sections in that Sefer is called Avoneho Barzel, and there, paragraph 51, it speaks about this, that this Rav Shimenzal, again, there was a period of time that he was the one who was Meshameh Shrabenzal, he was the closest one, in terms of taking care of all of Rabbeinazal's physical needs, other things. And at one point, he asked Rabbeinazal that just like I have the privilege of serving you here, I want you to guarantee me that I'll be zeichah to serve you in the future world. And Rabbeinazal was not ready to say it. And there were a number of times that he asked for this, and Rabbeinazal didn't say it. Then there was one time that they were riding together in a wagon, and the wagon started going down a hill, 
and the horses were going out of control, and it looked like the wagon was going to turn over, and Chasham, they could have been killed. And Reb Shimonzal, who was strong, very strong, somehow jumped off the wagon, grabbed hold of the horses, and was able to stop this. And he, he put his life, he risked his life to do it, to jump out the way he did and grab hold of the horses and, and literally saved Rabbeinazal's life at the time. And he said to Rabbeinazal, okay, now can I have the, the commitment I've been waiting for to be the one to serve you? And Rabbeinazal didn't say yes. And it was only afterwards when Rabbeinazal said his mother came to him. This is after his mother had passed away. His mother, Fager, came to him and said, come on, you know, he's, he's done so much, he deserves it. Give him, give him, give him what he wants. Agree to it. And it was then that Rabbein agreed to Reb Shimon that in the future world, he would be the one to serve him. It's brought, interestingly, that by Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, before he passed away, pleaded with Hashem that his sons, his sons should take over, should be able to take over the leadership of Kali Yisrael after he passed away. And Hashem said, sorry, it's Yehoshua, the one who served you during your lifetime, the one who was devoted constantly to, to taking care of all of your needs. He's the one that deserves to be the leader of Kal Yisrael after you pass away. This concept of Shimush Chachamim is something the Gemara makes a famous statement, Godol Shimusha Shaltoira Yoiser Malimuda, that serving a Talmud Chacham in certain ways is greater than actually learning Torah from a Talmud Chacham. Because there are times that when a person is spending time, quality time with a Talmud Chacham, and watching how he acts, watching how he deals with different a person could learn in 10-15 minutes what would take them hours or, or years to learn sometimes in book knowledge. And there are certain things that can't necessarily be communicated in a safer. It's only a person seeing it, watching it in real life, that the person gets to know exactly how to deal with certain things. There's a, a spin on that Gemara. This, the, the wording of the Gemara, Godol Shimusha Shaltoira Yosem Alimuda. So in Yiddish, there's the word Shmuz. Shmuz, a Shmuz means a conversation, a conversation, a discussion. So one of the Breslavers once said, Godoil Shmuzin Shaltoira Yoiser Malimuda, that sometimes when the right people will be Shmuzing, they'll be talking about serving Hashem, about coming close to Hashem, coming close to Tzadikim, that kind of conversation, which isn't, they're not reading a page of Chumash or a page of Gemara or anything, that kind of conversation sometimes can be much more important and much more meaningful than actually learning a page of Torah. Because again, remember that when it comes to Torah, the most important, the Torah says about itself that the most important goal in Torah is Yira Shemayim, respect for Hashem, love for Hashem, love for the love for Tzadikim. And that sometimes is communicated more in a shmuz, in this type of a shmuz, than it is from actually learning, learning, you know, a page inside. Any questions, please? Very good question. What kind of attending can a person possibly need after death? They don't need somebody to pull up a chair for them, this, that. 
The answer is, when I find out, I'll let you know. It's a shame. <laughs> Obviously, there is some type of a concept of shimush, even in Ganeiden. And here, here we find stories, stories in the Zohar Kodesh, you know, speaking about how the Talmidim of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoyzal were zeicha, that there were tzaddikim who had already passed away, Rav Hamnuna Sava, other tzaddikim, who came down to earth to teach them Torah. And there, in those stories, we see some of the interactions, some of what takes place. Very good question. We should be zeicha, we should be zeicha, to take advantage of every opportunity in the world that we have to learn Torah, to learn Torah, and to share Torah with others, and to serve Talmud Rachamim, to serve Tzadikim. When a person helps publish Rabbein Zalzforim, when a person helps build shuls for the Tzadik, when a person... <coughs> Any, when a person spreads the Torah of a tzaddik, these are all forms of shimush chachamim, serving the Talmud, serving the tzaddik, helping him accomplish what he's looking to accomplish. We should be zeichet to be meshamesh talmid chachamim, tzaddikim, and and get all the benefits, get the the closeness to Hashem, and that Hashem should send us the pasuk we mentioned earlier, meshoy chazdech loyedecha. Hashem should send a flow of kindness to all the Jews and Kel Hashem should take the full show his full vengeance to all the enemies of Klal Yisrael with the coming of Moshiach Ibinyan Beis Samitesh Meher Yameinu Amen V'Yameinu A question A question in the chat how does one as an adult integrate relaxation and fun in Eretz Yisrael under the current war, or is this to be avoided because Ace Sora Yaakov? The answer is that, that we need both. We need both. It's extremely important that a person show an awareness and a recognition of the suffering that people are going through, that Klal Yisrael is going through, but at the same time, Rabbeinu Zal warned us, mitzvah gedoyla lihiyos besimcha tamid. That doesn't give us permission to exclude simcha from our, from our life. It's, it's just that there are certain things. A person taking a, a, a big, uh, uh, going on, a, making a, a major, major feast or a major, where it's not a sudas mitzvah or a, a major, major fun, event of fun, that very, it would seem logically, should be toned down at a time like this. But in terms of a person doing what they need in order to maintain a healthy simcha, that's something that every single Jew at all times, even an, uh, in Avelus, on Tishabov, a person is allowed to do and needs to do. Remember, the Shulchan Aruch says, of mematim besimcha that when the month of Av comes, we tone down the Simcha. Not that we, we, we leave Simcha out of our lives. That we never do. We never do. Baruch Hashem.